Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Aaron Myers, and it's good to be here with you today. Um, yeah, I, it's just been a long time. I, I preached here a number of years ago. Um, the organization I work with is called Crescent Project, and we hosted a, an event here called Without Borders, a, a women's conference a number of years ago. Perhaps some of you were here for that. Um, but it's good to be with you today. Um, just a little bit of background about myself. My wife and I, we are... Uh, I live out in, we live out in Marion, South Dakota. Um, I work with Crescent Project, but the reason I work with Crescent Project is because in uh, 2008, we moved to Istanbul, Turkey. Um, we were serving there with a mission agency. We were there for four and a half years. Um, uh, Turkey is a country of uh, around 85 million uh, people, and it's 99.99% Muslim. It's one of the uh, larger Muslim-majority countries in the world. We loved our time in Turkey, but needed to return. Uh, and when I returned in 2012, I began working as the South Dakota or Area Coordinator for Crescent Project. We have area coordinators all around the country. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just an exciting uh, time to be involved in this ministry. Uh, last year, I began working as the Director of Digital Outreach and really helping Crescent Project as an organization begin to think about how can we tap into this, this digital world. Um, Muslims all over the world, 1.8 billion Muslims, most of them are online. They've got a smartphone, they're, they're visiting uh, online websites and they're meeting people. And we want to know how we can do a better job of helping people connect with Muslims in those places. So Crescent Project really... Uh, the goal of Crescent Project is to see the day when every Muslim has an opportunity to respond to the gospel and be connected to a true follower of Jesus. Uh, I have some information about Crescent Project at the table back under the, um, the, the missions board out there, and I'll be out there after the service. Uh, I do write a, a monthly newsletter that I'd love to email to you and continue to encourage and equip and um, and, and just help you think about how, as Christians, should we respond to the Muslim world. And, and finally, before I, I dive into my sermon, I just want to say thank you to you as a congregation. Uh, my picture's on that board uh, because, as a congregation, you've been supporting our ministry with Crescent Project for a number of years. And we're just so thankful for your financial support, um, your prayer support, and uh, just the many ways that as a congregation and Pastor Mark and others in the congregation have supported us. So thank you for that. Today, I want to talk to you about a question. Um, what is your gift to the kingdom? It, it may seem an interesting question, maybe even a peculiar question, but how is God inviting you, each and every one of you, to partner with him in the, the work he's doing to expand his kingdom and declare his glory all over the earth uh, and right here in Sioux Falls. Um, to begin to explore this question, I want to share some stories from one of the ministries that I get to lead. We have about 300 volunteers, 350 volunteers with a ministry called Embassy. Um, and at Embassy, what we're doing is we're, we're finding people really, really, really just like you. We're giving them some equipping and some encouragement, and we're sending them out into the digital neighborhoods, uh, language learning websites, Facebook groups, uh, forums, where they're connecting with Muslims who live inside the Muslim world. They're building friendships, um, and then they're, they're connecting on Zoom or Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. Um, and, and through these 
conversations. They're literally traveling into the living rooms and bedrooms of Muslims who live in places like Saudi Arabia and Turkey and Indonesia. And in those conversations, they're, they're talking about life, um, about God, about the Bible, and about the good news of Jesus Christ using their smartphone or their computer. Um, so I want to share a few testimonies with you from some of our volunteers. Uh, you need to know, again, that they are really people just like you. They are farmers and ranchers, teachers and nurses, construction workers and engineers, college students. Um, our fastest growing group uh, of volunteers are retirees. Um, retirees. They have an internet connection and they love Jesus. Um, now, these uh, testimonies were shared on a private Facebook group that we have. And uh, there we, we encourage one another. We share testimonies. We share prayer requests. We share resources. We ask for help. And so these are just a few of those testimonies. Here's one. I started chatting with several people, one of them from Saudi Arabia. She mentioned that she likes to talk about philosophy and religion. I mentioned uh, in a comment, they were texting back and forth, that when I was younger, I had struggled with different philosophical questions like, why am I here? What is my purpose? Etc. Then she asked me if I'd ever found answers to those questions. And of course, I did. And uh, since that initial conversation, she was able to share a testimony, begin to share some Bible verses, and now they're reading the Bible together online. Here's another one. <clears throat> I have two new Kurdish friends in Iraq who are open to studying the Bible. In your opinion, which book is best to start with? Mark, John, Genesis? I've heard all three, but this will be my first time doing this with a Muslim. I am so excited. And finally, I've been speaking with a young woman from northern Iraq about three times a week. We also text in between. She agreed that I could send her a verse about fear from the Bible. So I sent her John 14, 27. Her response was that Jesus' words felt like cool water pouring over her. I'm praising God for his word. Pray that this is the first step towards her salvation. Now those are just three of many testimonies of what God is doing through embassy volunteers, Muslims, are for the first time connecting with followers of Jesus and reading the living and active Word of God. Muslims, 1.8 billion Muslims in our world today, most of whom are living in places where there are no churches, where access to the Bible is limited or not possible, and where most are going to live all of their life without ever having an opportunity to hear the gospel message to hear a full proclamation of the gospel message and they're connecting with embassy volunteers to, who are sitting in their living rooms, who are jumping online at their lunch break in order to reach out and have a call with one of these Muslims. I share these testimonies with you because I want you to see the types of people that God uses to expand his kingdom and to declare his glory. <clears throat> He uses ordinary people. He uses inexperienced people. He uses people like you and me. Consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth or pastors or theologians or missionaries. 
God chose what was weak in the world to shame the strong. Those are, of course, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians. I added a little extra there about pastors and theologians, but um, it's, it's, it's a pattern we see throughout the Scriptures. God choosing average, ordinary people. He chose, uh, I think about uh, Noah and Abraham and David. God didn't choose them because they were somehow more gifted or smarter or uh, they, they had extra special ways about them. God chose them because they said yes. They said yes to his calling on their lives. He, they said yes to the ways that God had created and gifted them. God wants to use you, each and every one of you, to do good works in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your context. God wants to use you to expand his kingdom and declare his glory. This past year, uh, the Lord's been teaching me a lot. I've been learning a lot about discipleship, what it means to be a disciple and make a disciple. And one of the passages that has been uh, helpful for me in that is from the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Here's what it says. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want to read that one more time. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we, for you are God's handiwork, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. Now it's clear, our works do not earn our salvation. Salvation is a work of God. It's a miracle of God and it's only by the blood of Christ that any of us are saved. And so we do not do good works in order to somehow earn favor with God. We do good works because he made us to do good works. He's gifted you to do particular good works, and each and every one of you have something to do. Only you can do those works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. He's gifted you with a particular personality with skill sets, with a set of life experiences, with passions and desires. Your work is not my work. My work is not your work. But all good work is important to God because he is the one who ordained it. Now, if this scripture is true, if what Paul has written here is true, then there can be no ordinary days in our lives. We cannot just show up to work to earn a paycheck. Every day is painted with opportunity. There are the momentary good works that he's called each of us into, the the nudge of the Holy Spirit to to pray for someone, to encourage somebody at work, to to share uh, or give a phone call to a friend, to maybe break a plate of cookies for someone in the neighborhood, to share your testimony with a stranger 
These are the momentary good works that come up throughout our days and weeks. And if we listen to the nudge of the Holy Spirit and step into those, God is glorified. And then there's the lifetime callings that God has made you to step into, the vocation of your life. You are God's handiwork. And so what is your gift to the kingdom? Do you know? Do you wake up each day with a prayer, Lord, show me today the good works you've created for me to do? It's a good prayer to start your day with. But this brings us to the scripture that I actually want to look at today, and it's found in the book of Job. And it's, uh, it's an interesting chapter and an interesting passage. It's in Job 39. <clears throat> and in this section of Job, God has sort of taken the microphone back from Job and his friends. And they've, they've kind of been talking and talking, and now God's going to kind of put them in their place. And he's, he's demonstrating his power and his glory And then he shares this interesting illustration about the ostrich. The ostrich. Here's how the NIV renders Job 39, 13 through 18. Here's what it says. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, but they cannot compare with the pinions and feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them that some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly as if they were not hers. She cares not that that her labor was in vain. For God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense yet. Yet when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. The message puts it this way. Uh, the message translation, it says, she wasn't created very smart, that's for sure. Wasn't given her share of good sense. But when she runs, oh, how she runs, laughing, leaving horse and rider in the dust. When a friend of mine shared this with me a a while ago, something sort of clicked. You see, I, I live my life in the presence of others. We all do. And as I live my life in the presence of others, I live too often, and maybe you can relate to this, but I live too often in comparison with others. And if I'm honest, I I too often do this kind of comparison um, in two ways. With those I respect and look up to, I I often compare, compare my worst with their best. I'm never quite good enough. One pastor put it this way. He said that the reason why we struggle with insecurity is we compare our behind-the-scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. And, of course, this is never helpful. The second way I do this, the second way I compare, and, again, maybe you can relate, hopefully not, um, is with those that I perhaps don't respect as much. I tend to compare my best with their worst, and they're never quite good enough. Again, not helpful and certainly not fair. And so when we're thinking about the good works that God has prepared in advance for each of us to do, we can tend to think about those good works in comparison to others, and we can inevitably begin to create hierarchies of good works. We think that some work is perhaps better or more important or holier in some way than other work. And so 
What do I have to offer? We tend to put a premium on things like public speaking and preaching and leadership and communication, maybe teaching the Word. And so when we begin thinking about the good works that God might have prepared for for us to do in advance, we can have a tendency to think of ourselves as maybe a little bit second rate if our good works aren't in the more spiritual categories. And this is where the ostrich has helped me. It's an interesting little observation about the ostrich. It's, uh, it's a strange bird, and it's, it's a humorous little story here. The ostrich cannot fly, but it flaps its wings to show off. And then God points out that for all intents and purposes, the ostrich is just a terrible parent. I mean, just awful. But God isn't judgmental with the ostrich. When he made her and it came time to hand out parenting skills, he just kind of skipped over that one. Now, I watched some videos in preparing for this of uh, ostrich eggs and thinking about them. And an ostrich egg, it's pretty big. It's bigger than a softball. But I found a video of full-grown men standing on top of an ostrich egg. And it doesn't break. It seems that God gave ostriches eggs that are as strong as steel rather than strong parenting skills. Both work. There are plenty of ostriches out there. But one thing is clear. The ostrich is a terrible parent. Just terrible. And yet, and yet when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. I can almost hear the giddy joy of God as he's looking at his ostrich, as he's thinking about his creation, as, at his ostrich and how she can run. The soaring eagle may look down at the ostrich and scoff, but it doesn't matter what the eagle thinks. What matters is what God thinks, and God made the ostrich, and he made her fast. He made her fast. And God has created each and every one of you, and he's created good works for each and every one of you to step into. And those works, because he's a good God, will inevitably be designed for the way you're made. Your personality, your skill sets, your giftings and passions and desires, he's given these things to you. God is the one preparing them. And so no matter how insignificant you or others think they are, they are of eternal significance. They are as, they are as significant as the unique good works that he created for Billy Graham and John Wesley in their day. And so how dare we diminish the work that God has created specifically for us to do because the eagle thinks it's insignificant. The ostrich has taught me that I don't need to compare myself to others. That I don't need to look at the good works of others and somehow think that those are the works that I need to be doing. The ostrich has taught me to listen to the voice of God saying, this is where Aaron can run. Oh, have you seen him run? These are the works that I created him for. 
The story of the ostrich has reminded me that no matter how significant or insignificant I or others may think a particular good work is, when we say yes to God, when we step out in obedience to God, His kingdom expands, He gets the glory, and we find our greatest joy. It's the place where we find our greatest joy. Now, this doesn't mean that we won't ever do things or be asked to do things that we may not yet be gifted at, that we may not yet be prepared for right now. We're all growing in our areas of weakness. We're all having new experiences. We're learning new skills. And just because we aren't naturally gifted at something doesn't let us off the hook. We're all called to grow in Christ-likeness for all of our lives. Whether you're 8 or 88 or 108, the call is to continue to pursue the Lord and grow. And sometimes God calls us to obey even when it's not exactly in our comfort zone. Even when it's really uncomfortable, just because you're not a gifted or talented public speaker doesn't mean that you never have to share the gospel. Just because you're an introvert and not great at hospitality doesn't mean you, that you, you don't need to invite your neighbor over to share a meal. And just because you're not good with kids doesn't mean that when VBS comes around, you don't need to say, okay, I'll help out. VBS is kind of all hands on deck. We are the body of Christ and every contribution by every part of the body is important. The hand that creates amazing art could not do it without the elbow and the shoulder. But we function best when we each grow to understand the ways that God has created us and discover the unique good works that he's created for us to step into. Again, your work is not my work. My work is not your work. But all of these good works that God prepared in advance for you to do are important to God and to his kingdom because he again is the one who ordained them, who prepared them, who created these good works. We need to understand that the work of Billy Graham or the missionary or the preacher is no more or less significant than the work of the grandmother who prays every single day for her grandchildren, than the farmer who lives a righteous life, an honest life and gives generously, than the stay-at-home mom who senses in her heart an invitation to bake a plate of cookies for the neighbor. If they have said yes to Christ, if they have said yes to these works and they've obeyed, it will have eternal significance. It will have eternal significance. And so, I have two encouragements for you today. Two assignments, really. I used to teach high school, so I like giving assignments. And here's two assignments for you. You might want to grab those notes underneath the chair in front of you and write them down. I don't know. First, I want you to find some time today or this week to kind of get alone with your thoughts. And I want you to think about this. To think about the ways that God has made you unique, has gifted you in unique ways. The way that God looks at you and says, Have you seen her run? Have you seen him run? Now, most of us won't put running in there. That's maybe Pastor Mark can, but the rest of us, maybe not runners. But what is it for you? 
What is the thing that you, you look at and you hear the Lord saying, man, this is how I've, I've gifted you. Some of us, it's one thing. Some of us, several things. And I was thinking about this. Um, just a, an, another word of encouragement. Maybe there's someone in your life, a son or a daughter, a friend, who you've kind of been let down by, and it's hard to get past seeing just the, the that piece. And I'd encourage you just to pray that prayer and say, Lord, would you just show me the ways that you look at this person and you just get giddy with delight because you're seeing the way you've created them to run. And if you can learn to recognize that, I think it'll help in our relationships. But for yourself, where is the Lord looking at you and saying, have you seen him run? Now, some of you have a pretty good idea already. You're already walking in it. Some of you have a good idea. You're like, man, there's this thing that I'm just dialed into. This is the way God made me. But you're trying to figure out, like, where does this fit in this whole kingdom of God thing? And I'd encourage you to be praying into that and visiting with the leadership here at the church and asking them to help you discover what's the place. How does it fit? And some of you, some of you have been so busy comparing yourselves to the highlight reels of others that you've never figured out how God has made you unique, how God has gifted you, how God wants to use your unique talents and personalities, how God is looking down on you and saying, oh, but I made you fast. And you really need to step aside from that other story that's comparing yourself with others and look to the Lord and allow Him to shape what you think about yourself in what He sees, not in what you or others see. And then you'll be a part, <clears throat> be able to be a part of His kingdom work. So take some time today or this week to, to listen and allow God to shape your thoughts about yourself. The second assignment is this. I want to encourage all of you to begin to pray this prayer daily. Lord, show me today the good works you've created me to do. Lord, show me today the good works you've created for me to do. Last week, Pastor Mark started his sermon by talking about the power of habits. And I think this would be a really good habit to begin to start your day with. Maybe you want to write that down, that prayer. Lord, show me today the ways you've created me to do, the good works you've created for me to do. Maybe you want to write it on a note and stick it on your mirror so every day when you get up, you see it. Maybe you want to put it on the dashboard of your car. So on your commute to work, you're, you're looking at it and being reminded to pray, Lord, show me today the good works you've created for me to do. Maybe you want to leverage technology and set an alarm on your phone to remind you. However you do it, I want to encourage you to pray. Pray this simple prayer and then be on the lookout for opportunities that arise each day. As you understand more and more the ways that God has shaped you, the ways he's looking at you and saying, but have you seen him? Run! And as you begin to pray this prayer, God will delight to answer that prayer. If only you'll pray it regularly. And then, and then I think we'll all be able to, with, with more confidence and clarity, Answer that question, what is my gift to the kingdom? 
What is my gift to the kingdom? Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for a room full of people who you have created in unique um, and delicate and beautiful ways. That everyone in this room, Lord, you're looking down on them and there's a way that you're looking at them and saying, oh, I love to see this person run in this way that I've created them. Father, would you help us to see the opportunities that you're bringing into our life every day at work with a coworker in our neighborhood, with a neighbor in our family, with a child or a parent. And help us to step into doing the small things regularly that we might be faithful and that we might be a part of the work you've called us to do, that you've created for us to do. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.